This is a Watch Elect production. It's a podcast about the electoral environment in South Africa in 2024. Every week we discuss the latest topics in the run-up to the national election this year. Watch Elect is a civil society organization that invites everyone to observe our democracy. See, observe, share by emailing us on watch.elect.we at gmail.com or find us on social media. Welcome to the politics of elections. This is the third episode, and I am very honored to have another electoral official uh, from the IEC, Mr. Eldred de Klerk, who will be speaking to us. Our podcast series, Politics of Elections, will be covering all agencies individuals and people but these first three podcasts was dedicated to the electoral commission so that they can lay the foundation and framework to discuss uh, the elections within uh, the context of the 2024 elections that will be taking place welcome Eldred. thank you for joining us i trust that you will have a very fruitful discussion so first question um, Eldred is a question about particular problems that we face with regard to the context and the environment, the electoral context and the environment at the provincial, but also at the national level. Um, we know that, um, there's a number of things that influence this, this context. So, for example, in Gauteng, we will have a context that's clearly defined by a range of diversity. Gauteng has a completely different context and an electoral environment that is extremely volatile. The Western Cape, um, we have serious concerns with a number of players and actors, both political inside and extra political activity that can impact. So that's just broad strokes of context and environment. But if you can just give us those, you know, those broad strokes across the entire country and over the last two registration weekends, does it doesn't give us any indication of what we could potentially see leading up to the election and impacting on the electoral environment itself. Thank you. It is it's clear that the political landscape, as in any election year, is one of contestation. You have both in this election, you have political parties and their representatives and their supporters, and you have independent individuals looking to compete in this space, in this contents, in this race for our vote. So it is a crowded electoral field. We've seen record signing ups of new political parties. We've seen individuals present themselves for public office. And this is a good thing in our fledgling um, democracy. We've only been going at this for 30 years. Um, when we add another zero to that, I, I, I think we would be a lot better at it than we are now. Having said that, the nice thing about it is, is that we've had a history of delivering credible elections, the intake, free and fair and credible elections. Yes, 
none of our election environment has been without its problems. Our people are aspirational. And one of the things that all those who are standing for public office need to be mindful of, don't make promises that you're not willing, that you cannot keep. And people are actually asking for public representatives to be truthful in their account of what they can and can't do, to look towards, to, to work with others, to ensure that there's an electoral environment in which everybody feels free and can participate fully, can assemble, can ask questions, and can actually voice their election aspir electoral aspirations. So it is a fairly fragile election environment, and everybody needs to keep that in mind so that we all assume the responsibility to work collectively to ensure that this election, like previous elections, are one that's free of violence, free of intimidation, and allows for all of us to be able to walk freely out of our doors and go and vote on election day. Derek, it's not just election day. We see over a thousand community protests where the citizens have said we're dissatisfied with political leadership, we're dissatisfied with public spend, and the quality of our lives need to improve. The election commission is often smack in the middle of this as the election management body. Elections is an opportunity for everybody to cast a light on their plight. And the election commission almost become a facilitator of the discussion as to how about, how do you go about changing that? How do you go about working with those who want to be in public office to secure a better and different future? And this independent electoral commission as, as, an as the chapter nine independent institution is tasked with holding that space to ensure that the aspirations on the one hand, the electoral process on the other, the results and the political architecture we put in place after the election as one that delivers on our constitutional promise and as one that can be able to ensure development. That brings me to the second question. Thank you for the way in which you define the context. The context is defined as a fragile environment and that needs to be held together. The second question. So heading up the conflict mediation unit must be an extremely difficult one. Can you explain to us and, you know, just as a, as a matter of giving us a level of trust in that environmental space that you are creating, what is the architecture, the mission, the putting together and the work of the conflict resolution coordination program that you head up? Well, Derek, um, thank you for the opportunity. The program is called the Conflict Resolution Coordination Program with the emphasis on coordination. And the coordination that we're talking about is that it's the electorate commission and this architecture, this 200 plus individuals spread across from local municipal level, local ward level, all the way to national, using the relationships that we have with individuals, civil society groupings, political parties, um, and others to work together to look to manage, mitigate, and prevent election-related conflict and potential for violence. This is a shared responsibility. So... We cultivate those relationships and those networks. We have, we are, I think, blessed, I think is the word, 
to have the services and a resource of credible, respected individuals who's been introduced to the political players, who's an opportunity to know them by name, and as an opportunity to say, yes, we can trust them to work with the electoral and for the electoral commission in fulfilling this task. So as we prepare for the national and provincial election 2024, as part of the electoral cycle, this is how it is structured. We have, as part of electoral matters, the general manager electoral matters, who is Granville Abrams, and people will hopefully end the future, and they may have seen him on TV, um, together with, with our DCO, um, you know, uh, Shaburi. And we have our electoral matters managers in all our provinces. And then we have myself, the National Conflict Resolution Coordinator. And we have nine provincial coordinators. We have regional coordinators in each province. And then we have community conflict panelists. And it's this core group of people who work together with other electoral officials with our political liaison um, committees, with faith-based organizations, civic organizations, individuals, and political parties to ensure that we create a conducive environment in which elections can take place. So even though we structured essentially in this way, it seems to be a tiered. It's actually the bottom layer where most of the work is, is done. This is where most of our interventions is done. This is where most information is, is at. And this is where relationships with credible, respected individuals is most important. Because without those relationships, we can't collectively address the potential for conflicts and where there are, are, are tensions at a local level. So that essentially is the architecture of the program. It's a real comprehensive architecture, um, just the way the, way the program is packaged with uh, with so many people on the ground themselves. But, you know, I always look at, at elections at two levels. One, you have the, you know, internal political party crises, uh, and there you will have people contesting within political intra-party, contesting for seats and so on. And then you have Parties across the board, you know, contesting space. It is a conflictual space, elections. It's a competitive space, I must say, instead of a conflictual space. But then South Africa is not only made up of, you know, that strong contestation, which is an election, but South Africa is also um, defined by other contesting spaces that can influence the electoral process. So, for example, let me give you a simple example. If I live on Street X on the left-hand side, I could potentially uh, sit in a situation where I can't go to the voting station that is on the other side, not because of political parties, but simply because of gangs or, you know, other safety factors of the environment itself. Do you want to talk to us about that? And do you have any role in that? Well, your role simply just the code of conduct and the electoral processes itself. Well, this is where political players and community groups become so important. The electoral commission as an enabler. It's an enabler within a context of the electoral cycle to hold spaces in which to highlight certain things that impact 
people's ability to freely participate in the electoral process. Like you were saying, where we have um, fear of crime, people feeling unsafe to send their adult young child or adult young teen to go and register or to go and vote. They themselves don't feel they can step out outside their door. This is where our understanding of the local context and the environment becomes a conversation in the spaces that the IEC holds. We would have learned from our first two registration weekends where we had over 23,300 voting stations um, open for people to come and register, where you all have this conversation with Granville, where we've had a significant uptake of largely young people stepping forward and presenting themselves to register. We would have learned from that where some of these fr fragile and vulnerable areas are and where some of the stresses are. It is good to say, Derek, that we are one, even though we're the primary event manager of this electoral process, we're not the only electoral stakeholder. And we tend to draw on the energies and the aspirations and the goodwill of all other electoral stakeholders to ensure that this environment, that we both understand it and that we talk to who we need to, that we build the relationships to ensure that when the opportunity is presented for somebody to go and vote, which again, we can uh, applaud South Africans, is that on election day, on registration day, we seem to have no major stresses. So yes, we have incidents. Yes, we have some criminality. Largely though, from the 23,300 stations that were an opportunity that were presented, we had less than 100 affected at any one time. And over the first registration weekend, we only had four that didn't open at all. And this is thanks to the sterling effort of people on the ground, understanding their context and working with the electoral commission to ensure that we locate voting stations where people are most closest to them, that we provide people with quality information, that we put in the necessary safety nets, including security, and that we work with all other electoral stakeholders, be it local government, be it municipalities, be it the Department of Education, even be it ESCOM to ensure that the lights stay on, be it the security cluster, they all play a vital role. And there's no way that the Electoral Commission can deliver an election without these critical stakeholders, including local community groups who organize communities for us to be able to get access to them. And we want to say thank you to these communities because you are right. It's not only political aspirations that impact this competitive space. Crime and violence play a large role too. Fortunately, this network of relationship at the local level help us mitigate some of the negative impact that, thing, that, up, that crime and violence might have on the electoral space. You wrap up that exceptionally well, and one would probably want to also appreciate the role of observers, uh, both local um, at voting stations over that period, 
but also your long-term observance. And so my question would be, you know, how do they tap into, into this um, architecture, um, you know, to add additional information to an architecture that seems to be um, fairly solid, well thought through, well organized over a number of years, and, and, and very well oiled in terms of its operations. How can, how can observers, international, local, uh, provincial level, and long-term observers tap into that system? Because I think it seems as if this could become a very centralized system for um, gaining the analysis, for appreciating monitoring across the board, and then for coordinating responses uh, to different things that could be playing itself out. Can you give us something on that just as a, a wrap-up to this discussion? Thank you. I, the eyes and ears of and the witness of local observers is critical. The witness of international observers, the fact that they are interested in our democracy and the health of a democracy is a good thing. We have access through our local offices at a district level. We have access to our local offices um, at a provincial level and at a national level. And through the political liaison structures, we've relayed the names and the contact details of all our provincial coordinators and their, their office number, their cell phone number, their emails. It's all there. We've introduced them to political players and we will continue to do so and work with all electoral stakeholders to ensure that this environment is one where all of us can fully and freely participate in the electoral process, including meeting, campaigning, including asking critical questions, including even voicing our dissent. Because remember, elections are not about stepping on people's dissent. It's not about silencing voices. It's about providing the space where voices can be heard and for us to listen. And in this, we are continued to work with observers with community groups, faith-based organizations, with a, a range of actors, street committees and others, to ensure that we provide an opportunity to listen, to witness, and to enable a free, fair, and democratic, incredible electoral process so that it, that is transparent. That's, that's a critical thing where everybody understands what is happening, why it's happening, and can speak to that directly and to ensure that the results is known and that people will accept the results because they will walk the process with us and they've been able to witness the, pro the process. So we will encourage political parties to please get together their, par their, their party or political agents, their party agents, to ensure that they are well-trained and the IEC can provide that, does provide that training, that they are introduced to the Electoral Commission and that they are present throughout the, the campaign process, throughout the electoral process, that they present on election day, that they witness the actual vote process, the counting process, and the verification of the count. That political leadership takes responsibility for the behavior of their political representatives, their, their party supporters or their individual supporters, and remember, we're going to have individual independent candidates, and they also need a community of people around them that can ensure that they, as a critical player, actually also understand not only what's happening in the process, but can speak to it directly. So we want to encourage 
all stakeholders in this electoral cycle to please be a witness to what's happening. Please be ensure that people get quality information, that it's we are transparent about what we do, and that we accept responsibility. So access us through our provincial and local um, IEC offices. Feel free to walk in. Feel free to, to, to contact our provincial coordinators. And we will work with all stakeholders in this joint-up effort to deliver a free, fair, and credible election. Fantastic. So, and, and this is a teaser. I know we've got two, two three weeks, I don't know, uh, but the window of opportunity for particularly young people to register. Uh, our biggest concern at the moment is that uh, there is a large percentage of young people that haven't got involved um, and that could potentially be drawn into other levels of activities, you know, besides what you are calling free, fair, and transparency. Um, you know, they can be. And so what would your, what would your last encouraging word be to a young person that hasn't registered yet, but that can become part of that fabric and part of that architecture of safety, um, you know, for, for an election to be delivered, uh, in the most, uh, appropriate way for all the citizens of this country? Well, of, of, of course, if you have political aspirations, first thing you, you need to do is, is to register. Then you can present yourself as a young person, as, a, as an individual representative. You can pre- present yourself for public office. The IEC itself, we will be employing tens of thousands of people. And in the last first two registration weekends, 60% of the people that we employed were unemployed. And even though it's a short-term contract, it is one that is part of your civic duty. You can feel pride and responsibility. And a lot of the people, when you speak to them, feel that they have a meaningful role in the democratic process. And to play that role, you have to, to register. So to be part of making the decisions, to be part of understanding public spend and public office, to understand, to fully participate in public life, we are encouraging everybody to say, please register. Remember that somebody can register the minute they get the ID at age 16, familiarize themselves with the political process, accompany your guardian and others to political activity, and by the time you get to be 18, cast your vote. So this is the political life we want to encourage all of our South Africa, of the 60-odd million people we have, we have 42 million plus people who's eligible to vote in this election. What a celebration it would have in the honor of everything we stand for in our constitutional democracy. If we have a voter's role that is 80 to 100% of those eligible to vote, and it is there, and we have full participation of everybody through the electoral process. Notwithstanding the difficulties that we have with crime and violence, with public transport and all the things that might make it hard for our people to participate, we want to encourage the private sector, the education, um, higher institutions and others to provide spaces and opportunity for public life and for young people to go and register. So we've had campaigns at higher education, tertiary institutions, for example. We've had campaigns within certain sectors of industry. We still need to be encouraging each other as family and friends to say, 
ask the question, have you registered? How can I help you to register? And in this way, we can have a vibrant, dynamic political life in, 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 in this young and vibrant constitutional democracy that is called South Africa. Elizabeth, on this good note uh, and also encouraging word, I want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. Uh, I want to wish you well on the work that you are doing and the rest of the team. Um, and I want to assure you um, that we get to call on you again as we get closer to the election, as the campaigning starts heating up um, and as uh, you know, so many other things and questions are being raised at the security level, we would like to invite you again sometime to join us um, on our podcast. So thank yeah. you. My pleasure.